Welcome to the Jockey Club, a podcast looking at the movie Let It Ride, one scene at a time. My name is Dan Delgado, and we're at historic Hialeah Park where one man is having the best day of his life. I'm having a good day. So come on in and hang out while we talk about this day and the greatest movie of all time, Let It Ride. Don't worry about that guy at the door. I've got you covered. You can even take my seat to the Jockey Club. Welcome back to the Jockey Club. My name is Dan Delgado. We are up to episode 23, which means that we are doing the 23rd scene of Let It Ride. And really, it's the 23rd scene according to me. This is the scene where Trotter scores a big win at the Jockey Club and is promptly asked to leave. We're very busy now, sir. And if you're playing along at home, this is from minute 5714 to minute 10306. Joining me at my usual table is Rob Hunter. And Rob's qualifications to talk about movies are plentiful. His writing and work on sites like Film School Junkie, Slash Film, and One Perfect Shot honestly make him overqualified for this podcast. But the main reason I wanted to speak to Rob was his capsule review for the Let It Ride Blu-ray, which was released by Imprint Films last year. Rob wrote, and I quote, Why this wasn't a big hit and currently regarded as one of the best comedies of the 80s is beyond me. You and me both, pal. All right, so now let's head on up to the Jockey Club, where we will figure out what was on that note that was slipped to Trotter in the Jockey Club, what are the limits of the PG-13 rating, and of course, we'll be discussing the 23rd scene of Let It Ride. All right, so my first question that I always ask somebody who hasn't done it before is, when was the first time that you saw Let It Ride, and do you remember what your initial reaction to it was? Uh, yeah, and having listened to a few of your guests, a few of the episodes, I feel like a poser here, an imposter, but um, my first time was last year in April when Imprint put out that Blu-ray. It's a movie, like, I'm, I'm old enough to have seen Let It Ride sitting on the video store shelves, you know, constantly, like a blockbuster, mom-and-pop shops. I see it. I see that cover of Richard Dreyfuss with that. And I, I was someone, even at, at that time, was a bigger fan of Dreyfus's films and performances from his like, 70s movies sure. than I was of, of, of his like heading into the late 80s. Down on Beverly Hills, a couple others. I mean, the way he ramps things up, if the material is not right, it, it reads to me, it read to me, as more obnoxious than funny. And so I was like, I would see this one and see him and see him mugging on the cover of the box there and be like, yeah. well, this is going to be like I'm just a loud comedy that I don't care about. So I just never sought it out. And no one ever told me to seek it out. No one ever talked about it. No one ever sang his praises. So, yeah, it wasn't until Imprint, that Australian label, put out its worldwide uh, Blu-ray debut of this film. And I was like, OK, finally, I guess I'll watch it. And I laughed my ass off through the whole movie. And I got to the end, and I was literally just like, I, I'm flabbergasted. Why, why are people not talking about this movie? Why is this not held in the same esteem as stuff like Outrageous Fortune and stuff like that? You know, the, the, you know, uh, was it, was it one uh, risk, not risky people? Um, whatever. There was a, a batch of movies in the eighties. Oh, just like, uh, ruthless people. Ruthless people. There. Yes. You go. Like, like those kind of movies is, is where I think this 
felt like to me like why isn't this in that i guess it's not a multitude of lead characters that you can kind of like you know like the female characters are supporting roles and a bit kind of stereotypical in their various setups anyways i think they grow beyond that right sure but, but initially they're kind of stereotypical absolutely so, they are. yeah so so maybe it was just you know that i, I don't know and i've watched that uh on the disc there's that making of with the audio interview with the director oh yeah and he talks about the various things with it and even though i disagree with everything he says <laughs> <laughs> about, about um like that uh, the lead scene you know great um, it looks great but yeah that lose that shit that should have been gone so i'm oh, happy about that th- that makes for a fascinating dvd extra but yeah you put that yeah. at the beginning of the movie and it's a yeah. it's yeah. a completely different movie it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't fit yeah. Completely different, and it also, I, I think it's just stating things out loud that we pick up, if you're paying attention, that you pick up throughout the movie anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather actually kind of see and experience, you know, and realize this line he's walking between, you know, loser and, you know, just an okay guy. Because he is unlikable, but also he's, you, you root for him the same way like some of the characters do in the film. And I think that you, you get all that through seeing him in action rather than him standing there telling you, you know, oh, well, here's my life story. Again, interesting, and you know, Dreyfus is great in that scene, but yeah. it definitely would not have started the film on the same foot. Yeah, no, no, that that movie seems like it's you know, I, I probably have said this a dozen times. It's you know, it's the the gambling version of Clean and Sober is what that scene is is going to make you think yeah. you're walking into. You don't think you're yeah. gonna you're not watching that scene. Like I feel like if you watch that scene, you're kind of almost like, oh, please don't gamble anymore because we saw you at the. <laughs> At the Gamblers Anonymous right. with all the right. people, and you were making such progress, and now you've slipped. Right. Like, oh, it, it's just, yeah. Yeah, lose that scene. Lose that scene. Lose the scene because it, it definitely puts a different kind of a pallor on it. And it's, I, the movie is flat out a comedy. I know that listening to some of your guests, people have had differing thoughts on, like, the film's kind of take on gambling and if there's actually, you know, like a, uh, a message or whatever, if there's actually, like, a, it falls one side or the other. And I think even though it leans occasionally towards, like, you know, hey, you know this lifestyle you know not not cool whatever and there are some very there are a couple of very dark beats in this movie oh for sure e- even though i'm laughing my ass off again throughout various other parts of it i mean like the, the bit in the i don't see the scene we're here to talk about so sorry <laughs> the bit in the bar earlier in the movie when the when the bartender's like you know telling telling everybody about time the trotter you know had to pull a five dollar bill out of his butt oh yeah that is everybody's laughing so that but that is soul crushing um <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's... i mean it's just, it shows you where he has been you know where he might very well be again in the future it's it hits hard but then again a couple minutes later you're you're like busting out your gut with another laugh again so yeah yeah that line it's really rough because you see how how dark it has gotten for trotter at times but also Mm -hmm. just how dark everyone in that bar is as well that hey let's tell this horribly humiliating story and everyone's now gonna laugh at you it's just brutal that's a brutal moment right there absolutely that whole crowd is fascinating both i mean obviously the two different crowds there and also at the jockey club but that bar crowd is especially Again, it's milk and laughs from it, but it's it's, it's a bleak, dressing uh, <laughs> bunch. I mean, Trotter obviously realizes yeah. it early on, but then kind of gets lost in his own, you know, high again. But man, that's a that's a, it's a it's the movie does a good job of painting this whole scene and you know e- even like the track itself as like a circle of hell that you just do not want to be a part of. But it also <laughs> says, "Look at this high." Look at imagine riding this high mm-hmm. and the feeling, and so it's a little bit of both, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I I got you. I love that. <laughs> it's a, 
it's a circle. It's a level of hell. I've never thought about that. Yeah, it, it absolutely feels that way to me. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we are here to discuss. This is where Trotter is returning to the Jockey Club after he's made this tremendous bet on Fleet Dreams. This is where he's just had the cigarette with the ticket seller, and every and everyone applauds the fact. You know, everyone who's watching is willing to wait for him to smoke the cigarette because they all realize he hasn't won anything, but they're, they're applauding. Wow, the major insanity and balls on this man to, to make yep. this bet. We will all applaud. And, yep. and they recognize that moment of silence, too, with the cigarettes. It's, it's really it's, it's a nice beat. <laughs> it really is. And so now he's going to go back to the jockey club after having made that bet. And his wife is up there. And... You know that feeling of when you you got sent to the principal's office, or when you were coming home, or and, or your your mother was coming home, or your father was coming home, and you had done something you had not, and you knew something terrible was going to happen. Like I cannot imagine. Honestly, I think for me, if I had made the bet, if I'm Trotter and I've taken my twenty nine hundred dollars and I got whatever sixty eight win tickets. I, I probably don't go back to the jockey club knowing she's there. I probably hide somewhere. Yeah. And, and I probably go, maybe go back to Marty's bar. All right, when the race is over, I'll go in and then I'll tell her that I won. Well, he, he made it clear earlier when he was, because earlier in the movie was a scene where he was picked up by the cops. Yeah. So he, he was, and he's held, and he gets concerned for like half a second. You're not going to call my wife. So he knows, yes. you know, the, the, the shit he's going to get here. Absolutely. But I think the flip side, though, is that he, I mean, he, 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 even though he's got a couple of moments of doubt here and there throughout, he firmly believes, and he doesn't voice it until that last, the very final race, but he, he believes he is having a, having a good day and nothing's going to get in the way of that. And he's got to trust that. He's got to ride that. He's got to go with it. So when he walks into that room with that, like, you know, look at his face like he's a puppy dog that just like pissed in the corner, he knows, but he also knows that he's going to win. So it's, or believes he's going to win. So yeah, that's I, I I wouldn't have walked back in there, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's even under the impression that he can, you know, get her to to go with it. He's like, "Come on, yeah. let's let's order yeah. a drink, let's enjoy this." And you know, her freak out. Terry Gar freaks out so wonderfully. You know, these and she gets up, and and he has this this line that has always stuck with me. Right, as she's angry with him, understandably, Terry Gar is always so understandably right in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But he has this line that always stuck with me because he says, and it's also in the book, after all these years, he just, I just figured something out. It's not my gambling that you, that you despised. It's been my losing. And he says this as though it's some sort of profound thing, but right. I don't really think it is. It's, it's not at all because, I mean, it's, it's, you can replace it with like, you know, it, it's, it's not my uh, ex, whatever. It's, of course, that's not the problem. It's the result. It's the resulting issue. And at the end of each day, it's that he's, for, for what he's trying to do, in this case, it's gambling. You know, But maybe it could be, maybe he wanted to be like a, an actor or whatever. That, and, he, and he was like, for like 10 years straight, going out on auditions, has never gotten a role. But he keeps doing it. So he's not taking a regular job. You know, So he's not contributing as much as he should to the, to the relationship in the home. So it's not that... She doesn't hate that he's, you know, has this desire and wants to go do this. It's that it's going nowhere and he just can't recognize it. So, I mean, there's truth to that. But again, it's not like you just said. It's not a profound thing. It's kind of like, well, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so even her, even her face betrays that where she's like, yeah. I mean, what, what is what, Anne? 
I mean, it's a great beat though, because I mean, to him, like you said, it, it's it, it's a great revelation. But um, you know, to the viewers, it won't be. To her, it's not. And so, but that's why he thinks so that this day is what's going to turn it around, though, because again, he's he's riding this wind. So, oh, if he, that's the case, if it follows through, she'll love him. I don't know. I don't know. He is supremely confident because as she's leaving, he says, "Do you want me to call you after I win?" Which is an <laughs> awfully confident thing to say. She says, "Call this," and it's the middle finger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that my brother always, my brother who's frequently on the show. and Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. You know, when, when you need somebody that you can just constantly pester, go to family, you know, if, if they well, tolerate it, you. I mean, it helps that the guy knows the, uh, the movie back and forth, too, so that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, it really does. So he has this thing with this moment where Bernie... Where Alan Garfield walks over to all the tickets that are, are sitting in front of Trotter. It's, it's real quick. He picks them up. He picks up a couple of them, looks at him, and he goes, you're looking at 69 grand or you're looking at nothing. And it's just that that instant math that he has done is it has to be impossible. There's no way he can know how many win tickets there are. Like, does he have that odds memorized? It's, real, it's just really oddly funny. It's oddly funny, but I mean, but it, it kind of a, it plays to the way a lot of these people in the movie act. I mean, mostly Trotter, obviously. The way he turns everything into like figuring out, like, okay, well, how much money would this person make? Yes. How much yes. He doesn't know. He's verbalizing math in his head, whereas you know um, the other guy just kind of says the gets to the result. But it's the same kind of principle where it's just like that's at the forefront of, of these guys' minds. The ones who are there, you know, every day or nearly every day. The ones who are making a. I mean, it's not a career because the guy that guy has his envelope business. But I mean, but you know, it, it, this this is where he's putting his mind. Yeah. And so I mean, it's it's absurd, but it's also like, yeah, sure, I, I, I can judge the stack and bam, 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 boom, and there's the answer. Sure, I get I, I get that. I would have never even noticed this, but it, it now it it stands up all the time. I'm sure it was probably ten times I'd seen the movie before this mathematical uh, oddity had shown up. Even though the movie's full of mathematical oddities. Yeah, yeah. And I like, too, that the way he says it, too, is, is very dismissive. Um, yeah, 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 it is. He, he would love to win 69 grand, obviously. But but, he, but he's very kind of like, mm, you know, either this or that. You know, Either way, you know, chump, you're still a loser, you know, kind of thing. Is what he's, he's saying in his tone and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, that's funny, too, knowing what his situation is. Okay, so now we, what we have is that we've got Vicky, and then we have Mrs. Davis, who is a name you only know that Michelle Phillips is Mrs. Davis if you look at the screenplay. I don't think they ever say her name. But Yeah, I, yeah, I got it from IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So they both are into Trotter, but then he gets the note from a third woman, right? And it's this incredibly old woman, and he looks at the note, and then he looks at her, and she's smiling at him, and then she starts coughing. So, okay, Rob, what's the note say? Well, if, if you look at the progression, so Vicky yes. says, Vicky says like the you know poor poor Trotter, which is, you know, got the implication there, like you know, oh you poor baby, you need someone to like you know mm -hmm. to to help out. Phillips goes a bit further, saying she's got the house in the Bahamas and she loves a man with guts. Like I mean, it's as forward as her earlier comment about being on the pill. Yeah, you know, she she's making that clear. So this lady is clearly saying, you know, uh -huh. I can last three minutes off my oxygen, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Some some implication where you know she's gonna make it worth his, his while. I, all right, I'm going with I can last three minutes off my oxygen. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. I I don't have a better one. <laughs> okay, so the horse race starts, and 
Trotter starts out kind of calm, but then as the horse race starts going, he's getting into it. He's watching with binoculars. Vicky is losing her mind the entire time. Come on, baby. And the Jockey Club is completely bananas over this race. It's like it's the Kentucky Derby, even though yeah. it's like whatever it is, the, the, the fourth race on an average Sunday or whatever it is, right? But they're all it's going bananas. Saturday, Dan. I'm sorry? It's a Saturday, Dan. Oh, I'm, is it Saturday? Oh, you know what? Saturday wow. at Hylia Park. I should know wow. better. What's, what, what's this podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not discuss it. Anyway, they're going absolutely nuts over this race. Trotter wins. Vicky jumps all over him, knocks over a table, knocks over Mrs. Davis. Okay, so here comes my, my question to you, Rob. Because Trotter freaks out. And freaks out in in a completely wonderful Dreyfus way that I don't think he's ever freaked out quite like this before. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, like, fucking foul. He's just like a a word salad. But he throws fuck out there. And the reason I'm asking you about this is because (laughs) there are at least three times someone is saying fuck in this movie. And it's Mm -hmm. a PG-13 movie. What are your thoughts? Man, I, I assumed it was R, really. Ah, yeah, you I see did. that? Yeah, because also Bernie says it in this scene after the horse, after... Yeah, the, uh, I, that's, horse why I assumed, that's why I assumed it was R, because there were several fucks in it. Yes. I did not realize that. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're with me on this. Uh, this yeah, so uh, what, what is this? is 89 or something like that, right? Yeah, it's 89. I guess we're real loose on the PG-13 in 89. Yeah, because, they, I mean, they, they've been super hard with it. I mean, it's pretty much you get the one fuck. But maybe, man, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's at least like four in the movie because there's yeah 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 easy <laughs> yeah no that's 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 surprising that they would uh I mean I, maybe it's one of the movies where like the MPA didn't care they already knew no one was gonna watch the movie yeah, they were like whatever yeah. you want go ahead good luck with uh, your horse racing thing it makes go me ahead. wonder if because because clearly that means that the MPA cracked down on language at some point after that. So now I'm wondering what movie it was that triggered them to say, you know what, we're going to start giving ours for language too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. Interesting. Anyway, so getting back to the action and any thoughts on the, the Trotter frenzy? He's speaking in tongues at one point as yeah. the horse I mean, race is going on. I mean, it's, it's you, you totally understand it because again, it is, he walks, the character and Dreyfus walks a very careful line between confidence that, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. I'm letting it ride. I feel this is right. I believe it. Sorry that. But then also, as it's happening, holy shit, this is happening. Holy shit. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't yeah. believe it. And so he, he kind of is always walking that. So it, it's funny. It's, it's you believe it. It's exactly what he would be doing. But I love, too, that that's, like you mentioned, the room itself is also getting wild. Just like, the, you know, the regular, the regular uh. ch- you know, Chumps and Joes downstairs are all getting wild for their race as well. But up here in the Jockey Club, once the race is over, they believe, especially if they've lost, they believe that there is a decorum up here. This is not, you know, the troughs down here. This is this is high class up here. And you, sir, are behaving <laughs> like an animal. So I love how quickly they turn on him as well, especially after those earlier scenes when you're laughing at his dumb jokes and stuff like that, when he's like one of them and he's like, you know, whatever. So his freak out, both in its, uh, you know, with the language of that, but I think also with the fact that he won and they all didn't it's just it's just fascinating seeing them kind of turn on him and then obviously he gets booted out of the place too for those reasons because i mean he's, he's just a crass guy and they hate the fact that he won 
they hate the, they hate the fact that he won. Yeah, <laughs> he calls them a bunch of rat bastards and then gives yeah. them the raspberry. Which <laughs> I adore that. I adore that beat. It's just the look on his face is like you know, it's it's perfect. Yes, yes. Also, all right. So when when he wins and everyone else loses, and Bernie also says, "I hate people who sneak around and bet," which is. <laughs> Almost exactly what Looney has been saying yep, to him the yep. entire time. Like, all of a sudden, the Jockey Club and Marty's Bar are essentially the same in how yep. they treat him. He wins. They don't like it. You snuck around and bet. Get out of here. Yeah. Even when earlier he was, you know, still sharing which horse he was betting on. It just people weren't taking him up on it. So that's a weird kind of take on these characters, too. Both these ones, but also the ones downstairs or at the bar. That they are supportive, and the one character at the bar even earlier it says earlier, I think maybe after this says, um, you know, that we'll we'll be, we'll be here to pick you up and support you, you know, when you're when you hit the ground, um, and it's like you, you guys are all like, just everyone in this movie is full of shit, <laughs> every single person, except maybe his wife. Yeah, the, the way that they do that and that kind of response, it's strange. I, I can't think of like a, I'm sure there are equivalents like just in everyday life, but it is it seems like a very specific thing where if you these people who are like there to be betting to be winning will support the groundswell, the fun of like you know or the race, whatever. But once it's over, if they're not the winner, the one who is the winner, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Um, it, it's just a. Uh, but then the next race, they'll all be back together cheering again, and then after it's over, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just a. It's a strange thing. But up there in the jockey club, though, whereas down below is kind of it's more kind of like they turn away or they say whatever. Jockey Club, it seems to come with a side of like you know snobbery almost. Even though they're all sitting there in this fucking place, betting wads of cash, wasting their day, losing wads of cash, they're all in the same boat. They feel like they've got like the upper hand, even though this other guy won. It's 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 a fascinating scene. It's funny. I'm laughing at it, but it's also still kind of a like on a sociological standpoint. It's a it's a funny little uh, microcosm of people that just don't make sense. Absolutely right. It's it's almost like inside, all of these people are essentially the same, even though outside, yeah. some yep. of them have money and have better yep. manners, and some of them don't, and some of them don't, yep. right? I always love where Bernie starts saying, I used to I used to know a kid who used to cover up his answers like a real sissy, and Trotter's who cares, which is like the line de- delivery of who cares. It's yep. so funny. I used to do a radio show. I used to have that as a drop that I would just throw in all the time. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are like numerous times a day that that's a fitting response. So, <laughs> exactly. I, I just rewatched it again today with my wife. She enjoyed it too because she doesn't understand why I've been watching this movie a few times over the, over the past year. But she laughs. So it, it's all good. It's a film that does such a good job, I think. Of, I already mentioned it, but kind of like that that dichotomy of, you know, hey, this whole thing is bad. These people are are you know a lost cause, whatever. But we're having fun with it. And it's not even, like, I, I don't think the movie is even, in fact, I not even think, I, I, I would say definitively the movie is not, like, making fun of these people. Right. It's not poking fun at their, you know, addiction on the serious end or, like, stupidity on, on the low end. It's not. It's just, you know, having fun with this kind of ensemble. Because at the end of the day, most of these people, in the movie at least, I'm sure in real life it's a lot different, but in the movie at least, they're okay. You know what I mean? They're not going to... You hear the you hear the horrible stories about that here, maybe here and there, but for the most part, they're okay. They're going to go home. They're living their life. But on the weekend, they come to the track, you know, and they just got kind of get caught up in things and they lose money. You know, maybe they shouldn't, but also it's not the end of the world. 
so it's it's kind of having fun with these people, but not at their expense. And I I kind of love that about it. I think a lot of movies, especially in the eighties, would have taken the alternate route and would have kind of like made you know, more of a punchline of them as opposed to just this this wild, almost like a family ensemble, you know, of just yeah, they're losers, but also. They're just having fun on the weekend. I don't know. The movie just does such a good job of that. And so it's something I, I've liked about it, again, since first watching this movie over a year ago. Over a year ago. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a true fan. <laughs> so, uh, Well, it was your DVD review that is what put me on to you. I started to pester you about doing this. is because I, I read that and I said, oh, look at this glowing review. I need to speak <laughs> to this guy. This guy, he's one of my people. I got to talk to him. Where was he 20 years ago? 30 years ago? Uh, what are you going to do? No one was there 30 years ago. I know, I know. And, I, and again, I was ignoring it on the shelves. And I, but I mean, you know, that's that's the beauty of, uh, I, honestly speaking, this is not this is totally off tangent, but that's the beauty of physical media, too. Because one, this movie's not, I mean, I, I, once in a while, maybe pops up on streaming, but it's nothing that ever gets kind of like highlighted. And so it took coming to Blu-ray, you know, physical media mm-hmm. to catch my eye which then got me talking about it. You know, other people saw it as well. And so, I mean, it's, I don't know, there's, there's something to that. It, it's kind of old-fashioned, sure, but it's kind of also a present, weirdly. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I hadn't thought about, until you said it, that box, that image that they have of him. All right, so, is, all right, so I'm guessing it's the one where he's, like, looking up and money's raining down. And, you know, that box that you looked at and you said, ugh, look at this. This looks obnoxious. And I, yeah. I, I wonder how many people had the exact same thought as you. I've never thought that was a great image for this movie. It's, it's, yeah, it's not. And, I mean, and again, if you pair it with what, at least for me, what my current mindset was about Dreyfus, which is like, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff, it just is not something that really appealed. You know, but again, live and learn. So it, it took me a few decades, but uh, <laughs> you, you realize that, you know, eventually... That that part is in here, but one, it's he does it just beautifully when he does it when he goes from zero to hundred. But two, there's a lot more to it than that too. So it's I don't know. It's it's a movie that has a lot of heart to it in addition to like the comedy and kind of like the poke and the fun and the mm-hmm. and it's super suspenseful. I mean, those horse races, the first one and the last one especially, because you it is a movie where I expect, and again, the other movies taught me to think. Well, at the end. He was going to lose it. Absolutely, of course. Yeah. Yes, that's what. That's the subversive be, part of the film. Yes. Yeah, there's going to be something where, but but he got his wife back, and like, and she even says, you know, eh, you know, money. Well, you know, what's money? Shit, plenty money. So that would have been the ending, whatever. But to give him that instead is unexpected, and does leave it on this just big high note, and it doesn't even like drag it on with other scenes. It's just like boom, camera pulls back. You know, that's it. We're out. Yeah. You know, I I kind I kind of love that. Oh, and uh, I think I forget who it was. Maybe it was the was it the doctor who doesn't even care for the movie. Some, someone said the movie is a dream. Se- a dream. Who was it? Oh, I forget who it was. One, of, one of the episodes. Someone yeah. mentioned that they view the at the movie as maybe just the entire thing as a dream, like after the fortune cookie opening. Yes, oh, I actually kind of forget who says that. That is Doctor Sean Munger's idea from episode eighteen. Either way, it's a it's a fun interpretation, but. Fuck off with that. This movie happened. The entire, I think if it was a dream, you take away the entire impact of him having a very good day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, so it, it's real. Now, I think if he comes back the next day and he bets, he's back to being a loser. But I think that, that it leaves that with the audience to think, okay, is the guy going to walk away with this money mm-hmm. and his wife? 
you know, and, and go on his life, or is he going to come back and, you know, you know what I mean? It leaves you to decide that. I choose the former, that he's good, that he, he's going to go make his family with his wife. He's got a way to, you know, move forward here. He doesn't have to figure out winnings and say, oh, six months of rent, oh, I'm broke again. You know, in that whole thing, he could actually get on with things. And so I, I, th- I think it's great. I love your optimism about what happens after. I kind of go with that, too. I also don't know how realistic it is knowing the character of Trotter, but I do right. like to think that all of the things that happened, right, where his his marriage seems to be okay at the end, and, yeah, like, maybe this has made him whole as a human being, and now right. he can move on with his life. And I think, too, because like, the, the, the way the movie starts, even without that deleted scene... He seems pretty good to go. You know, like, okay, I'm not going to gamble. We've got this plan. We're going to move forward here, whatever. And it's not until he gets the promise of a sure thing, which would be hard to resist, even if you weren't somebody who was already prone to gambling. So I think that that's what tips him off. So unless he gets another, another sure thing down the road, I think he's good. Maybe he'll buy some lotto tickets, but... Hey. He also should have done this day. I don't know why he didn't do that, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, that probably would have been the better thing to do. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Jockey Club. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Dan Delgado. Thank you to my guest, Rob Hunter. There will be a link to Rob's info in the show notes. Our theme music is from Epidemic Sound. Our cover art is by Sean Labrie. If you enjoyed this episode, and I certainly hope that you did, then you can help the show out by buying me a coffee. This is really a thing. There's a link in the show notes on how to do it. And a couple of you out there have actually done it. You know who you are, and so do I. It's very much appreciated by the entire Jockey Club crew, which is really just me, but still. Now, if you're saving up your pennies to bet on the four horse, I understand. You can still support the show by leaving a free five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening to this. Go ahead, take a look. If there's a review option, feel free to take advantage of it. You can contact me through email. It's dan at moviemaker.com. I am constantly on Twitter at underscore Dan underscore Delgado. Or even better, you can find me on the Repod app, which is a great way to not only to listen to podcasts, but to interact with podcast hosts. Find it in your app store. Come on by and say hello. This has been Dan Delgado for the Jockey Club. And remember, sometimes you could be walking around lucky and not even know it.